Hi, I'm Jen. And I'm Trevor. And together, we're We're Occasionally Interesting, interesting. the podcast where a couple travels the world interviewing the most interesting people they meet along the way. Sometimes it will be sweet, often entertaining, rarely conservative, frequently informative, occasionally occasionally interesting. Occasionally interesting, occasionally interesting. Were you in San Francisco doing anything official? What were you up to? Uh, so yeah, I was, I was there for... Um, I mainly went to go convince one of my friends to work on a project with me. Mm-hmm. So I think when we, we were at the batch party back in March, I had put together this plan to go back to the States volunteer at a bunch of conferences, travel all over the world, volunteer at conferences, building up my network, and then starting to organize my own. Because the, the end goal was was ultimately to start to organize conferences that are focused on different facets of the future. So I want to do like future food, future of like work, future of transportation, um, all of that. And then uh, obviously came back to the States and all the conferences got canceled, you know, perfect timing with COVID. And so I'm like, fuck, what, what do I do? And I think, I think y'all may have seen, like I, I started that Facebook group, had a bunch of discussions with people. Cause I'm like, we, we need to figure out how to move forward here. Like, what do we, what do we do as a country, as humanity? Because we clearly do not have any leadership at the helm. There's no captain here. We're all kind of fucked. So what, like, what can we do? How do we move forward? And I was like, well, the only thing I can do right now is start a podcast from my bedroom. And then I kind of started piecing together a plan there. And a component of that plan was how do I go build up like a distribution channel or community of, of people who are focused on these different pieces of the future so I can organize events and, and kind of dinners and stuff for them. Um, so I have this friend, Faraz, who, who built out this online product called uh, Wait Who Is. It's all the podcasts, essays, interviews, tweets from influential thinkers. So mind i'm like hmm if i can start to aggregate the content of the people who are building the future i could use that as a distribution channel for the podcast to grow it and then ideally over time leveraging the audience of the audiences of those people um start to develop the different niches so i could find everyone who's working in the future food and like aggregate them and then allow people to subscribe and build up the audiences and then go run events for them so long way of saying that's why i went to san francisco because my buddy faraz built this thing he wasn't, he wasn't working on it. It was kind of like laying dormant. I'm like, I'm going to go to San Francisco. I'm going to convince him in person to work on this with me or let me work on it with him and get it back up and running. So did you that convince was, him? did. Yes. <laughs> we are, we're up, we're up and running. Um, it is pain in the ass though. Cause what we're, what we're doing is working with data contractors from all over the world to scrape and to like do data entry to find all these interviews, all these podcasts. So. Training them and there's quality control for not like one or two profiles, but for like 50 to 100. And it's just like been a lot to parse through. But, but we're moving. It's, it's live. We're shipping stuff. So I'm going to. 50 to 100 doesn't that. sound too bad. I mean, that sounds like it could be almost done manually. Like you wouldn't even need scraping. Well, oh yeah. Well, okay. So when I say scraping, I mean we're having the data contractors go like Google for these people, like find their websites, like 
copy and paste all the links to their essays. Okay, so it is go manual. search around their YouTube videos. Yeah, yeah, it's it's all manual. Um, but it is we're, we're trying to do like 150 before relaunching it, and then you know a consistent cadence after that. So, do you have a list of the different niches? Like you mentioned, the future of food, the future of X, Y, Z, like transportation. Yeah. So it's it's funny actually. I haven't clearly mapped out the specific like verticals. I just kind of figured they'll they'll form based on the sorts of people that I run into, and and I've and I've also worked to define that with the podcast as well. So I found people who are doing future again future of transportation, but I've also found people are doing future of like biology or future of like let's see what's the other like transportation or logistics. Like I talked I talked to this guy um, who's building a hyper logistics company. Which is effectively <clears throat> what he describes as like the closest thing to teleportation that you can get without actually teleporting. And so it's this like underground series of pipes that he wants to build and deploy within like a new city that will allow you to put something like put a package into this little like cart thing. And then kind of like you're at the post office or you're at Costco state and they just like through a series of tubes just like shoot stuff around. And right. it would be that, but for anything like throughout your city so like packages the, food like the beginning of futurama like the, yes yeah. yes exactly that yeah. <laughs> that sounds brilliant i mean probably fairly efficient from an energy standpoint as well right i have absolutely no idea <laughs> well, <let's hope> so. <laughs> yeah it's, but it's just one of those cool like this is what the future could look like if we get off our asses and, and try and build it so that's kind of the the mission I've I've set myself on for the last. I think it's a, eight a months. fabulous mission. I've been saying for 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 a while now that I think that what what would really help America and in particular would be for us to all rally rally behind creating a new city that was just they used all the principles that you're talking about, like like pinpointing exactly the most efficient way of doing every single thing that we've done wrong in the past. And build the most sophisticated city in the world, and I think that would help us regain our our, our status. I think it would help us be motivated, uplifted. Like you know, it'd be like the new space race, but to be like we have a completely energy neutral city that you never have to worry about trash and like you know. I think that would, great project to get behind. Yeah, <clears throat> it, it. I think there's there's actually. There's a couple of people I've come across that are, are working on that. They're trying to figure out how they can go about building a new uh, term is charter cities, but that sounds a bit colonial, like colonialism esque. It's like, oh yeah, you're going to come charter new city, and like particularly like if it's in Africa, like in Africa or in Eastern Europe. Uh, so there, he's one of the guys is trying to kind of put the branding out around like unity cities, like cities that people can come together um, and be a part of, like something greater than you know themselves in, but. Yeah, I, I think there. I think when I think about like the future of cities or what that sort of project might look like, uh, one, I was really hoping that COVID would actually be the unifying event for the world, right? It's really unfortunate that we had this giant fucking problem that everyone, regardless of race, regardless of age, regardless of like nationality, everyone had to fucking deal with it. And so we had one great shot to be like, hey, everybody, let's get on the same page here. This is going to be really challenging, but we will get through it and we are going to X, Y, and Z, and then we will like figure it out. Uh, but that did not, not happen, unfortunately. So 
when That's something else. I mean, we had the greatest, uh, the greatest head of the ship manning this whole battle. Like, you know, <laughs> if he couldn't do it, then you know, I guess it just couldn't have been done. But I think there's still hope. I mean, I think that we're still in the midst of this thing. I don't think this is. I think this thing is far from over. And I think with the right leadership, and I don't, I don't even think it needs to be a president. I think it could easily be an influencer, like you know, Elon Musk, but on crack um I, yes. I, i'm still hopeful really what i'm saying it yeah could be, it could be I, i'm very very hopeful uh, yeah we'll see one thing that i don't know that that i've been feeling recently just kind of seeing all the craziness in the states and how you know just completely you know drop the ball and dealing with this pandemic over here the number of people who have realized that things are not guaranteed and one and two, that other people who they are looking to to solve the problems are not actually competent or in any position to solve the problems. And it's revealed to, to myself and lots of other people that if we want any sort of change, if we want things to be fixed, if we want things to be better, we can't count on anyone else. Like we have to go do something. Right. We can't, we can't sit around and let the boomers try and figure it out or the Gen Xers. It's like everyone who is technical and competent and like savvy and aware is like, it's up to us. We can't just like delegate responsibility. Like we have to take ownership of these problems and work to fix them. Um, so what you're and, saying and what is seen, it's completely up to the millennials. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if the millennials are going to be able to figure it all out, but those Gen Zers, man, let me tell you what their TikTok and their, uh, I don't even know whatever else. <laughs> it's like I'm on the cusp and still I don't understand. Like I don't get TikTok. Like I don't get it. <laughs> it's super embarrassing. Right there um, with you. But you know, just just yeah. to like let me close that close that thought loop out. Um, every like I'm really excited about 2030. You know, like I keep telling everyone this. It's like right now it's kind of shitty. The next four to six years, I mean, we'll we'll see how things play out. Uh, we may have another pandemic. We may have some sort of natural disaster, but the the leaders and the entrepreneurs and the politicians and the like, um, like institutions, the media companies, all the the important like everyone who's going to be pl- like part of the game in 2030, who's going to be shaping the way the world works, is is kind of being for like they're all being forged right now. Everyone's kind of going through this crisis, realizing that they have to step up, they have to do something, and people are changing like. The, the course that they were on to go try and make a difference. So we're not going to see it soon, but I figure 10 years is a decent amount of time for, for all of that kind of to play out. So I'm hopeful, but the path to get there may be a bit tricky. I'm more optimistic. I think 10 years is a, is a conservative estimate. Uh, think so? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I hope so. I think the, I think the, the wheel has been oiled, so to speak, where since because people have been forced to transition from their norm, that comfort that comes like that familiarity with change is, is being instilled in people. And, and, and that, you know, I'm, I'm hoping Mm -hmm. that enough people realize that it is going to be individual action. Like how prevalent do you think it is become an understanding that it's not the politicians that are going to solve our problems. It's not, even necessarily the companies like that you need to take an active part in. Like, do you think, do you think most people are realizing this or do you think that that's, 
I, I would I would like to think so, but obviously, I mean, we are all uh, heavily biased based on the information we consume and the people we hang out with, and at least all the, most almost all the people in my life are are of that mindset where they're like, oh nope, yeah, we have to do something about this. But it's hard for me to sit like speak for the broader population. And also, I don't think that it's the broader population that really necessarily matters. I think you just need a relatively small critical mass of people. Like, if even if ten percent of people woke up and realized it, it would it would cause a dramatic shift. Yeah, I I, I think there's there's enough of like a a seed planted right now that will, I mean, continue to grow and people continue to have conversations and yeah, in that community will kind of take shape over the next. Yeah, you know, hopefully 12 to 18 months and then I'll grow from there. Mm, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic, but how specifically we get there is an open question. Um, what about y'all? How's, how's COVID been for you guys? Awesome. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say awesome. <laughs> uh, comparatively speaking. Yeah, yeah. It, awesome, but, uh, not bad. Um, we wear masks in Seven Eleven and in government and like official buildings, and that's about it. JITEP, the festival is still on. We just found oh out last God. week it's happening. So in Thailand, we're having festivals while the rest of the world is. Uh... Yeah, I mean, we've had we live in, we've got we moved to Chiang Mai, we moved into this big house. We've had multiple parties. There hasn't been co- locally transmitted COVID here since May, other than one case in a prison. But it, that well, was very isolated. <laughs> and I think yeah. it was July or something, but I guess that probably ruined our statistic. But out in the public, there hasn't been any locally transmitted cases. So it's been totally cool and easygoing. And uh, I am loving living in Chiang Mai with only people who really live here. Like, it's been yeah. so cool to make friends where it's like you're gonna be my friend for a minimum of six months like it's yeah. Different. It's a, yeah it's very exciting um and and there's definitely just a different mentality of the community here being like we are all here we're all in this together like let's make shit happen and make commitments and all this it's very nice and also there's so much less traffic than usual which is very nice yeah it feels like everything's been distilled down to a pretty good uh pretty good group here yeah uh, the leftovers the people who stuck in Chiang Mai through COVID are like I mean much of our core friend group which is awesome and kind of surprising um uh but yeah it seems like it it kept really good people in (laughs) But I would, I'd like to circle back around. So you, you, the project that you were working on is the, your friend in San Francisco. Uh, the, does it have a name? Did I miss that? Uh, oh, the, for the, the product or my friend? The, the product. The, the product. <laughs> it's called Wait Who Is. So Wait Who Dot Is. Wait Who Dot Is. And is it up and running? Like, can I go and look mm-hmm. at this right now? Yeah. Yeah. You can go look at it right now. So you can right. go, yeah. It's like literally Wait Who Dot Is. The domain, it's, and yeah, see a bunch of cute cartoon characters of of all these interesting people from Silicon Valley. And how is the podcast going? I've been sort of off Facebook. I was I was keeping up, I was passively keeping up in the from a distance for a while, and then then social media got overwhelming, and I, I mm-hmm. backed off. But how, how's that no. been going? I've listened to a handful <clears throat> of recent episodes. 
Well, thank you. And they're all, yeah, you're such a great interviewer. I really like. Yeah, you. the ones I've listened to have just been phenomenal. Like, you're you're great. You also have a lovely voice to listen to, and I like especially like I love your intro, like the way you talk about you know the uh, going to the moon and whatnot. Just like the mm-hmm. passion and emphasis in your voice is just like you're just a perfect actor as you're like saying yeah. these words, like the perfect intonation everywhere. I'm just so captivated, and you definitely carry that through to your interviewing like the way you ask questions with such genuine passionate curiosity it's really yeah it's very it's lovely to listen to thanks guys yeah no it's it's been fun i mean obviously it's a lot of work comes with those challenges um but but it's one of those cool things that i've been really excited that i've just been able to commit to like or i'm on week 23 and actually i've recorded all my episodes at the end of the year as well and then i like was (laughs) One of the challenges I'm sure you may be able to relate to is like the editing is just super taxing. We got and an so, assistant um, at the end of July and she is amazing. She has just, I mean, completely changed my life. I I love her as a human. She has great like insight um, into things that she's doing our editing and our Instagram now. So it's been, it's been right. a game changer. But yeah, I did it all myself. 100 percent for the first year and a half. What? Can you click on one? Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Are you doing that's, that's it yourself? Kind of or? Or? I was. So it was, it was one of those tasks, you know, when you, you have something you're like supposed to do, but you don't really want to do it, and you kind of put it off and you procrastinate, and then it kind of looms over your head, and you're like, oh, I should be doing this, and then you don't, and then you kind of inch up closer and closer to the deadline that you set, and Unfortunately, it's not a person deadline, so you can't like fudge it. It's like when you've, you've publicly announced. And so for, for a couple weeks there, maybe, maybe more than a couple, maybe several, uh, it'd be Friday. I'd have the episode recorded. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to edit it Saturday. I'm going to do it. And then I wouldn't want to do it. And Sunday and then Monday, I'm like, fuck, this has to go out tomorrow. And I'd like try and do it Monday night. And then like, I'd always find a reason not to. And then I'm like, well, got to get up at 5 a.m. Tuesday morning to edit the thing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. it would it'd always go out on Tuesday. But, um, yeah, it was some of, some of the episodes were fun to do that. And then there was another couple where the guests, just, the thing wasn't packaged together as well as I wanted it to be. So I do a lot of cutting and chopping and moving around, removing all the ums and the ahs. It was quite, quite fun. So I've <laughs> since... Actually, last two weeks ago, uh, I hired someone to help with the editing, which has been phenomenal. Yeah. And I also brought someone on to help do the marketing. So nice. I'm very, very stoked. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a game changer to just be able to focus on it, on just creating the content without all of the extraneous stuff because it did, I mean, it definitely was getting to a place like just of such emotional resistance for me of being like, there's so much effort all the time and uh and just like also feeling guilty towards my work of being like the podcast is just a passion project it's nothing that's like making me money and like i'm spending so many hours on not making money to take it i mean like still proud of it but then also definitely really intense with the self-imposed slash publicly announced deadlines of being like just because it's a passion project and just because probably not many people are listening or care, like this has to go out on Thursday. It's not an option. Like this is, there's no, there's no wiggle room, but yeah. 
So I want to say that we're we're, we're currently looking at Melanie wait Curtis. who is I like that name by the way. Um, <laughs> I like your emphasis. Wait who? It's like it's like, it's like it works right like Melanie Perkins like wait who? Yeah, it's like wait who is yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, love I love it I love it. It's brilliant. Yeah it's 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 a cool it's a cool cool project. Um, Are uh, you still um having the discussions on around your podcast episodes? I know you're doing that in the beginning. Okay. Weren't you? Oh, oh, so now the I got a little little tired of doing Facebook Zoom yeah. calls two or three times a week. It's just another one of those like emotionally burdensome burdensome things. Um I'm like I think I've I, I kind of like the podcast was like the evolution of that. Right. So it was just a stepping stone. It's like, okay, what do I want to be doing? And then found a, a hook with a podcast. I'm like, okay, actually no, this is this is where I want to be spending my time. This is what's going to generate a good return on investment versus discussions with the same like four to six people, which was great. Loved everyone who showed up. Um, but it was, it was a bit tough to kind of pull new people in. Yeah. So it was just kind of like a weekly check-in. How's everyone's mental health right now? It's good, but you know. Uh, so how do you change. find your guests for the podcast? Are you kind of like borrowing from Wait Who Is? Uh, sort of. So, well, yes and no. So one of the things I did is I, because I'm helping kind of figure out who is going to have a profile launched, like my, my buddy's doing the finance, like fundraising and the product. And so I'm kind of running the profile shipping and the pipeline. So what I can do is if I want to get, uh, let's see, like, if I want to get yeah Melanie Perkins on the podcast, because I'm really stuck on what she's doing at Canva. What I get to do is like it to launch our profile, email it to her and be like, hey, we built this thing for you. And then I can follow up later and be like, hey, Cam here, you know me because I built this cool thing for you. Uh, you want to come on my podcast? And then I already have a foot in the door and then I can either get a like maybe later or sure, let's do it. Um, so awesome. Those are the only two choices. Yeah. Never get a no. There's n- no is always not yet. That's awesome. Yeah. I've definitely had a couple of people say no. Or just ignore us. Or no, we've had people be like, if you pay me for it. And we're like, no, that's not, that's not a podcast. Like, no, no. Um, what are some, what have been some common overlapping traits of your guests? Other than like, they are people who build the future, but more like personality traits. Well, one of my other questions is what makes someone have the kind of personality that makes them interested in building the future? Oh God, that's a great question. Um, uh-huh. I think at the end of the day, everyone, everyone who takes on the sort of long-term or anyone who takes on the sort of building the future sort of challenge has, has two things in common, or they have two things, two of many things, or two, there are two things that they have in common. There are probably other traits, but the two that I anchor on are, are this optimism and this view that, hey, the future is, can be better than it is today. And two, this long-term perspective that, hey, really important things are going to take time and like those are the things that are worth doing and so it's like okay um, i view the future as positive i know it's going to take a long time to fix these issues or to solve this problem so i am just going to dedicate myself to pursuing this particular mission and put my blinders on and just build towards it because it's the only way i'm going to be able to get anything done yeah i think also like a maybe ingenuity like the idea that 
What is reality now does not have to be reality in the future. That this current system doesn't need to be this current system. We can actually change what the what our fundamental reality is in a way where we can have tubes floating people around from state. Like we don't need cars. Like yeah. we don't need roads. It's this whole system could disappear and be replaced by something that is almost unfathomable right now, except for these couple of individuals who spend the time world building in a way that creates a future that could yeah, be better. I was listening. One of your episodes, I think it was maybe a little while ago, was um, on uh, education. You were talking about how like everyone has just accepted that to go to school costs a billion dollars. But th- this is a really like recent mindset. And that if you even talk about parents, education was affordable back then. But like we've mm-hmm. all become just kind of blind to it. And it's just accepted as like absolute fact. Like, of course, if you want to go to a good college or private college, it, you are going to be paying for it for the rest of time. And Which is so, just so questioning, absurd. Questioning these things and, and letting go of uh, the status quo or the accepted norms. Right? Well, yeah, it, it's it's kind of just like questioning the, the stories that um, you are told or um, I've there's this great pod, other podcast that I found called Philosophize This. And the guy's some episodes on Friedrich Nietzsche. Um, and in one, in one of the, the episodes, he talks about Nietzsche's kind of three um, like types of, of individuals. There's the camels, there's the lions, and there's the babies. The camels are doing work for other people. They're not really questioning anything. Right? They're just kind of assuming that whatever gets handed to them is what they're going to do. And the lions, which start to question everything. And they kind of reject all these stories that people people tell them. And then eventually you have the babies, which kind of just don't care about the stories that anyone else is telling them. They're just kind of doing things for, for their own sake. And and so I think the reason that we don't have people kind of challenging or questioning all these status quo is that most people are just going to live their lives as camels and like they don't question what's going on or what they're supposed to do or what career they should have. And, and that's one of the things that kind of unifies like us is just like no we actually don't want to do the normal thing like oh everyone says oh you got to go go to college and go get a traditional nine-to-five job and that's changing now but i mean when you guys set off on your your travel adventures that certainly was not the norm right like like what were people like, like what were the reactions to like what have the reactions been to the lifestyle you guys have picked up i mean i think initially a combination of skepticism and jealousy of being like, mm-hmm. people are like, okay, well, we'll like, we'll see you in three months when you're back. Um, and then also people throughout the time that we've been here, like a lot of friends from home, always being like, just saying, I'm so jealous that you get to do this. And us just being like, no, really, yeah. other than having the mindset that this is an option, we are not special in that we're doing this. Like it is literally just having the perspective that this is a choice available to you that is the only differentiating factor that makes us special enough to then do it, you know? Yeah. Um, but I mean, at this point, I think it's pretty well accepted. Well, I think, I think a lot of people are kind of like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> and like, not really uh, necessarily understanding it or wanting to think about it too much. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, I was expecting a much more pessimistic view of uh, Nietzsche. Nietzsche's? 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 Uh, story yeah. of the the camel, the ti- the lion, and the baby. I was totally expecting the 
the camel to be like the sheep that gets just kind of herded in one direction, <laughs> where then the tiger or the lion eats that. Eats the- <laughs> and then the baby just sits there sucking off all the resources produced from the leftovers. I was like, you're, I like your version a lot better. It's, it's much more optimistic. I'm yeah, not sure I, which one's more realistic, but true, true. Yeah, I, I one of the things I'm working on is like how do I like when I when I kind of consume information, how do like when I consume content, like how do I then regurgitate it and like have it shape my worldview? I think what what just happened was I listened to that recently, and I'm like, oh, cool, I'm gonna try and spit this back out and see if I can have it make sense, and glad it came through <laughs> to some extent. I wonder, hmm. speaking of kind of, you know, the, the mindset and, and kind of changing plans and just kind of making the decision to like live the life you're living. Like I know back in, actually, I know <laughs> this is your interviewing me. I'm turning the tables. Um, I, I, I just like, I'm, I'm really curious kind of what, what's life been like for you guys, like career wise, decision wise. Cause I know Trevor, like back in uh, the bash party, you were like planning to go to med school or nursing school or something of that sort in the States and you guys were going to move back. And then COVID hit, you're like, no, we're staying in, in Thailand. Like what the fuck's been going on? It's been a roller coaster. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Roller coaster. I mean, <laughs> we had me like, June, maybe June or July through August was like every four days we had completely different life plans. We bought multiple flight tickets that, like, some still haven't gotten refunded. Um, we bought multiple flight tickets. We thought, I mean, yeah, it was like a running joke. I kept calling my cousin, at, like, every couple days being like, we're moving to Ireland. We're moving to the U.S. We're moving to North Macedonia. We're, we're staying in Thailand. Like, whatever. It was changing, like. I mean, she yeah. was just laughing. And- it was becoming a running joke. Like, we're, we're going to call her now and say, we're, we're, going, we're going to Nova Scotia. Like, yeah. we're going to Iceland. <laughs> the last one we said was like, uh, I was like, uh, so we're staying in Thailand, but, you know, knowing us probably in three days, I'm going to tell you we're going to Antarctica. And she was like, oh, great. Well, I have some contacts in Antarctica. <laughs> yeah, oh, my going. God. Um, but, yeah, it was it was a super duper roller coaster. And in addition to not knowing what we were doing, um, kind of in the midst of, I'm just stealing Trevor's story, you get to go next. Uh, uh, in the midst of COVID, at first, I had so much work. I had I had clients coming out of everywhere because kind of my niche in marketing is, is like foundational marketing. I build brands and websites and get people set up with their platforms. And so, so many people were starting new businesses and I was just working like crazy. And Trevor was helping me a lot with that. Um, and during this time of immense stress and immense work and not having an appropriate work-life balance, um, I had an existing injury for since March, 2015. So five and a half years, um, in my right arm and it got so bad that by the end of July, like I wasn't able to use the computer for more than 30 minutes, um, before my hand, my fingers were going numb. My arm was just shooting pain. And then we were, we were traveling around Thailand trying to find different doctors to like get opinions on what type of surgery I needed and trying all this different stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like a couple of days away from getting surgery when Chris um, said that I had to go see this osteopath in Chiang Mai. And I saw this osteopath and he healed me like 80% in 20 minutes of this five and a half year long injury, this injury that had completely debilitated me. And I hadn't been, I hadn't been able to work 
much at all for about two months. So it was really rough. Yeah, we we didn't know where we were go- where we were going. Then by the time I like kind of wrapped up these projects, then I couldn't get any more clients on because I was physically incapable of working. Mm-hmm. So we were just getting poorer and poorer and poorer, not knowing like what to do next. Me being like, oh, yeah. yeah, physically like jailed in limbo. Oh God, yeah. It was but a- that that was a pretty wild story. I mean, even in those two months, oh, like God. we had seen multiple specialists with multiple different diagno- conflicting diagnoses and we're at our at our, at the last straw at the wits end. Yeah, I just got a steroid shot into my wrist like a week before I saw the osteopath, and so, that doctor said that if the steroid shot doesn't work, then I was going to immediately need surgery, and it didn't work. It was the most painful thing ever. Went to this osteopath. Oh my God. He literally he stuck some needles in some muscles and in my neck, not even in my arm. Yeah, in in, in her neck, which nobody had even, not one of the other doctors had even looked at or considered, and. She was back to 80%. I mean, it's still a problem, but I mean, shocking. But a completely manageable problem. And now it no longer gets worse when I work. It just kind of hurts mildly all the time. But like before it was that as I used the mouse, it would get exponentially worse like every second. And now it's kind of normal. Moral of that story is osteopaths are kind of the shit. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I'm so grateful for him. So that was my version of the past couple months. Went from like more work than ever and then mm-hmm. also some of those clients um, were in a bad financial situation due to COVID. And so then they didn't mm. end up paying me. And then, oh, I, no. um, I mean, there's still hope that it'll come forth eventually. But um, uh, yeah, so kind of like that was also compounded in working a lot, then having the stress of like not knowing what we were doing, not having the appropriate financing, then having a body that was completely betraying me. And uh yeah. So, <laughs> but things are looking up now. My arm is like really on the mend, and um, I'm starting a new business with uh, Nico because um, he's a copywriter oh, nice. and like web funnel. He's kind of the yin yang to my yin or whatever. Nice. Um, but yeah, all right. Now, Trevor, you tell your version of chaos of the last couple months. But all in all, this was all still going on in paradise, and we were safe, and we were with friends, and it was all still like yeah. very good in comparison to everyone else's life. Yeah, all things yeah. considered, it's been a it's been a better journey than it could have been. Uh, my personal journey's been a little bit, maybe less exciting, but uh, maybe slightly more depressing. <laughs> But it started off with oh, quarantine. No. I, I had, uh, we, we were quarantined. We were in the islands. There was nothing to do. We were inside 90% of the time. I mm-hmm. focused on programming and the ukulele. And, and, and I feel pretty, I feel good about the ukulele because I, I now can play at least one song. And that's really <laughs> cool because that's been like a life goal to be able to like jam around a fire bit with somebody. Like that's, you know, yep, that's yep. cool. Um, and then I was, I was doing the program and that was, that was fun. It was, uh, engaging. And then it sort of hit a wall where it was like, this is actually boring as shit, especially cause I was focusing on data science where it's like, now, For nursing. yeah, like, uh, to still, still with the mindset of going back to nursing, um, to sort of combine those two. Uh, and then that sort of fell by the wayside when we started getting all this work and Jen was like, I need help, uh, dealing with all these clients. So I started doing that, was distracted with that. There was about six weeks there that I was working 12 hours a day and Trevor was helping me like eight hours a day. Yeah, it was, it was, it was intense. Damn. Um, then we moved back to Chiang Mai 
Then now I've like, well, maybe I'll do a PHP. Now maybe I'll do uh, focus on like Android apps. And so now I've been bouncing around continuously from mm. thing to thing to thing, uh, not really knowing where I'm going to land, uh, trying to figure out how to contribute to our financial situation whilst trying to be in resource mode. Um, <laughs> and sort yes, of improve yes. my situ my my potential earnings. Uh so it's been it's been it's been a wild and crazy journey that I haven't quite come to the end of yet. Uh but Yeah, I mean that's kinda how kinda how it goes. Um like what what's like the ideal state for you? Like if you could just have any sort of setup you want, what would that look like? It's an excellent question. Uh you know, I guess it really varies with realisticness like if i won the lottery i would love to like go fund startups that i felt like were contributing to the world and sort of be like a venture capitalist that would, that would be great uh yeah. but in lieu of that sort of in a more realistic sense uh part of the problem is i'm not really sure it's, it's a tough question to answer and that's why yeah. it's really, really hard to pick a direction because i find most things pretty damn interesting so it's easy for me to become infatuated with something but then yeah. quickly become sort of dis disenchanted with it equally as quickly and then yeah jump full on into the next thing and uh you know it's difficult what, for me to stay focused what, what do you think you're like have you noticed that like there's there being a specific timeline when that happens like, is it like you know after like four to six weeks or is it longer than that? Because I'm curious, like what what it might look like for you to identify like when that time window is, and see if you can push past it by like like fifty percent. Like you know, okay, cool. I get bored as shit after four weeks, so I'm gonna do this for six, and then see what happens. And you kind of continue to push that that bound of like your your comfort zone or your like disengagement zone. Uh, I think I think it's a little difficult to say because it, it feels like at least that there's these life circumstances that often intervene in order for me to switch directions. But that might also be somewhat fabricated by like, here's an excuse to switch directions. Let's go with that. But I think you probably nailed it on the head. I think about after four to six weeks, I'm kind of ready to be like, all right, you know, I know enough about this now to know more about it than 90% of the people. So yeah. Like, you know, it's easy for me to get to that point. I get to that point very quickly. And then once it's to, to get past that extra 90% becomes very difficult, becomes very, you have to put in a lot more work to get to that extra A plus kind of uh, understanding. Yeah, what's that called? The last mile fallacy or whatever. Yeah. Like, so right around there and, you know, depending on the complexity of the projects that I'm working on, I'd say four weeks is about, is about where it happens. And yeah, I'm pushing forward through that. Certainly is that can be a challenge, especially when it's like, oh well, now we need a uh, copywriting help, and I, mm. I don't mind writing. Let's bang out some copy. Yeah, yeah. One thing that that might be interesting to consider is like some sort of like accountability system around that. Uh, there's there's some online boot camps like Lambda School, for example, is a great one where it's like you're kind of doing a, a formal class. Right. And then you have, you have like hours you to show up at and, and there's like that accountability or that camaraderie that you can, can kind of bake into the project or bake into the learning. And then at the end you have the skill and it was like, cool, this took 
nine months or six months. But then you, you kind of like, you can kind of eat salt with, with the people in the cohort, right? You're all kind of struggling and working on it together. And at the end of it, if you're like, fuck it, I'm done. I actually don't want to do this. At least you have the skill and you've gone, you've gone through it. But like, it seems like the, the challenge is kind of not having like an end state for, for the projects or for the learnings. It's like, Oh, I want to learn X. Absolutely. Okay, well, what, what is it, What is the outcome there? And so if you, it, it'd be cool to see like what would happen if you, if you blocked it and you're like, okay, X is not time bound, but ta- like outcome bound. So it'd be like, Oh, I want to go do there's a program I went through called launch school. It's like, I'm going to go do the first course of launch school. And it's like, okay, cool. Get the first course. And then after that, you can be like, okay, you know, this isn't quite doing it for me, but I don't have enough like knowledge. I don't have anything else. So, okay. Next step is next milestone is like course two. And then you can kind of look at the macro. And be like, you know, this probably wouldn't take me very long if I just focus on this. So, you know what? This year, I'm just going to do the whole thing. And like, I'll fuck around with other stuff. Do my ukulele, do my juggling, do my other things, other projects inter- interwoven in there. But then you have that consistent thread where you're like hacking on it at least every day or a couple of days a week. I think you, I think you hit the nail right, right on the head. I'm really curious about this Lambda school you mentioned. Because uh, one of the things that when we first moved to Chiang Mai, we had this brilliant idea because you're right. One of the problems with me doing this programming by myself was that I don't have a cohort I'm doing it with. It's really sort of directionless. Like there's no, there's no end goal. There's no, and what the consistent advice that I've been given is you have to pick a project that you actually want to complete and then figure out how to complete that rather than just like arbitrarily learning stuff. Uh, which, which admittedly I haven't really quite taken that advice yet. So, um, but when we first came to Chiang Mai, we really, we had the idea of there's probably a bunch of people in my situation that want to learn how to program don't want to spend $20,000 on a boot camp in a different time zone than them, than what they're in and would love to have a cohort to do it with. So we were originally going to try to form a sort of self-guided coding boot camp with mm-hmm. projects that were outlined. And then that sort of fell by the wayside. Um, but the Lambda school seems like that's almost like that, but built in for different varieties of uh, like, what, what's the, mm-hmm. like, like they have a, I, I'm not, I mean, I know them through the grapevine, so their website probably has more information than what I can, I can shill on their behalf. Uh, but, but no, I, I just, like, I'm really, I'm a big fan of the, the future of education model that they're, they're pushing for, right? So it's income share agreement based, at least for, for, uh, Lambda school. Launch school is another one that, um, has, there's like cohorts where you can kind of, you're in like a Slack channel with a bunch of people and you can, you kind of do the work on your own, but you can, you have like people who are on the same kind of tier who you can slack with, do study groups with, et cetera. Um, but in the launch school or land school case, it's like, no, you don't pay anything until you get a job. Right. So, so what they've done is they've empowered people in, you know, lower income communities or people all over the, at least in the U S all over the country to decide, Hey, you know what? I'm actually tired of working like in the Amazon store or, you know, at the grocery store. So I'm going to go, learn to code and I'm going to go to Lambda school. It's not going to cost me anything. And at the end of it, I'm going to have the support, the network and the community that's going to help me get a job paying for some people like a hundred thousand dollars more than what they were making. It's, it's just incredible. And I don't know, I'm, I'm super excited about their business in general and anyone who's looking to program like wants a starting point, like, so yeah, let's go check out Lambda school. I will. I will. Another sort of a, uh disenchanting moment when I was, I was learning Python and I was on Reddit 
and I was going through the like the Python uh, subreddit, and there was somebody had posted a video of this artificial intelligence machine that you literally type in like the de- like the the definition of your function, like take the square root of any number and then multiply it by three and then give me whatever from this list and it writes the entire function out for you artificially like and i was like fuck i'm out of a job already like god damn it (laughs) yeah the is that the that's probably like the there's this like uh, company called open ai and they've been doing like artificial intelligence research and they recently released their um product gpt3 I don't remember what that stands for, but it's, it's that sort of thing where it's like, you, oh, you put some, give it some data, give it like a, ask it a question and it'll return something for you. Wow. So it's like writing novels and writing bios and having conversations with people. It's like almost Turing complete, which means it like, it could confuse a human, right? Or it could pass as a, as a human, um, which is terrifying. Uh, the implications of that are quite wow, it's exciting quite we're reaching that point of singularity where artificial intelligence becomes to improve upon itself and we can just sit back and have only be creative and have all of our resources just sort of harvested for us and given to us <laughs> 2030 that's my vision of 2030 Biden will bring us there oh god I uh I, I have vowed so one thing that I, I've been struggling with over the past uh, maybe four to six weeks is just like this this politic, pol, pol, uh, politicization. I, I will call it like politics slash Twitter brain, where I've been so consumed by like what is going on in the in the U.S. With first, it was actually probably been most of the year. Now that I think about it, because it was first with COVID, it's like okay, what's going on? What's the deal? Like, how's this operating? Like. Yada yada, and then it moved into you know, the fires in California. Then it moved into like the election, and just like nonstop. Oh my god! Yeah, fuck. Yeah, it was just like it was. Oh wow. Okay, this problem goes much deeper than I than I was initially thinking. It was literally all year, just like constant attention drain on like what's going on in the world, what what's in my area of concern, not in my area of control, and and like that has massive massive costs. Like. Yeah. I realize, and like, I know this is on record, but like, I can't really read books right now. Like, I can't focus for more than five, 10 minutes. And I'm like, this is not good. And like, I was not posting on Twitter. I was not engaging on Twitter, not like commenting. It was literally just kind of like checking in to see, okay, what is actually going on? Um, and that alone, like, Twitter knows how to get you. They got their engineers like filling out notifications at certain times. Same with Facebook. I mean, yeah, with me, it was Reddit. Yeah, it's like all these platforms are meant to like hook you in and keep you there. And I mean, because we're, we're living in like, I mean, it's the attention economy, right? So it's just like, who can gather your attention for the longest period of time? And so it was, it was rough. I'm like, I found myself just getting a little anxious, a little bit concerned, and then always checking. And it would affect my ability to work to get other things done. Cause I'd be like, okay, cool. I'm going to work on this project. I'll work on the editing for the podcast for 20 minutes or an hour. And then I would end up kind of breaking that task up into, you know, six, 10 minute chunks, all interspersed with, you know, looking at Twitter nonsense, not constructive. Like, we need to stop this. This is massively concerning. Well, I really like the way that you put it. Uh, what's it, what the sphere of my control versus the sphere of my concern. 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 Yeah. And realizing when you step out of that 
fear, sphere of control and into sphere of concern and where they don't overlap, how much of, of wasted energy that can be. And, and without even realizing the energy that is being wasted is it's shocking. It's scary. It's, it's a problem. It's, then you, then you trick yourself into thinking it's, it's useful, right? Or, or your ego shows it's like its head a little bit. Like I had, and I, again, I'm trying to like move away from that headspace, but the, the one comment I will make is that I felt like I had very controversial opinions about, you know, what was going on in the world. And in part of my ego really got flared up by talking about it. So I'm like, oh, I think I see something different than everyone else sees. So my ego's like, oh, Cam, you're kind of smart. Oh, Cam, like, look at you. You have a pretty different opinion. Like, oh, look at these people who don't agree with you who are getting upset because you're taking a stance, like, maybe polarizing. Ah, ha, ha. I was like, no, fuck. It's not what I want to be doing. I don't want to be Glenn Beck. Right? It's like, I don't, I don't want, like, there's... I have other things I can be doing, other things that excite me that I really want to be working on rather than like watching certain friends just kind of squirm because I, I know how to push their buttons. And like, it's like, yeah, I don't need to do that. That's, that's not good. That's useless. It's also kind of mean. <laughs> it's also funny <laughs> it's how addicting like, it is though too. Like, uh, especially like when the riots were going on there, like that was like the, the height of my, I I'd quit Reddit. And I had, st- I had went back to Reddit when, when the riots started and got into social media, into these like arguments. And it was like, it was so exhilarating and depressing at the same time. And it took me like a week to realize what was happening. And before I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm, I quit. This is, this is insane. Well, I think that's, that's the beautiful thing about being over in Thailand. It's like, you don't have to really care. You just like, you can mute the rest of the world. And like you can operate in your sphere, your friends, you have like your daily routine. It doesn't really matter because whatever's going on in the U.S., like you can't control anyway. And so it's like, because you, you're physically there. Like, what do you mean? Wait, wait, wait. You, you, can, you can have like a split second. Huh? She's well, saying like neither, just, neither, neither, neither can you really control the same things that we can't control. But it, I think I think what he's saying is it's easier for us to avoid thinking about it not being physically there. Yeah, but I think that's just another excuse and another ego argument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. There's there's a component of it where it's like it it seems easier to detach, like if you if you are distant. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe the, yeah. Maybe there's the, the ego. And choices. But one of the Indeed. things that, that I sort of admire most about you and the work that you're doing is you've you you seem to have a very good sense of that circle of what you can control and what is possible. And then the and then what I really envy is the motivation to actually work towards that in a meaningful way. I think that's I think that's pretty damn great, Cameron. And kudos. Thank you. Oh, I feel so loved. I appreciate you guys. Um, no, truly, it's a rare gift. It's a also your ability to see solutions everywhere. I mean, like during COVID, I was talking about how much. I love being in an entrepreneurial community of being like, in general, people, my friends in the US looked at COVID with total victim mentality of this is happening to me. And then all Mm -hmm. of my friends here and like people I've met along the way, more entrepreneurial people is like, this is happening for me. How can I find opportunities here? And just looking at it as, you know, every problem comes with 
opportunity and what a mm-hmm. unique mindset that, that is. But you, I mean, I feel it anytime you hear about anybody's story, you can see the puzzle and the path ahead of them and like, oh. the steps to get to solutions in this amazing way. Yeah. Way to go, dude. Oh, <laughs> I think, I think I've you. previously said, like, I was like, I wish I could, I could like invest in people. Like, fuck the stock market. Yeah. I was, like, if I can invest in people, I'd be putting, I'd be putting my money on Cameron. Like, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, I do. I do my best. It's hard. It's like challenging. Um, but all, all fun, good things that from life are, are a bit more challenging. So keep pushing through. The other thing that, the, the, like, I don't know. I just try and find things that excite me and like try and like create, tell myself stories and like create narratives that are like full of energy and optimism that, that get me excited, even if they're, you know, a bit ridiculous. It's like, I don't know. I guess that's just like what excites me and I'm just going to keep, keep pushing through, forward. Um, it's like, it's like I like the our own reality. It's like it's all about yeah. perspective, and you can be experiencing the same exact things as your neighbor. But if your perspective is these things are happening for me, how can I like take the opportunity out of this? How can I get the most enjoyment out of this? How can I contribute to this versus somebody who's saying, "Yeah, this is happening to me. This is a bummer. I can't do anything. I'm stuck. I'm helpless." Like, can be the same exact things, and you will be living a completely different life. The victim mentality. I don't think we should necessarily go into how that's now being glorified <laughs> in the United States. Oh God! But yeah, that's let, too depressing. Let's, let's let's not touch that today. Yeah, that's, that's so well, a, a quite a somewhat segue. Something you mentioned months ago that you wanted to talk about on the podcast was proactive and reactive approaches to life, and uh, and you were particularly interested in discussing how does this play into where you choose to live saying that major cities are great when you have stability in your purpose and philosophy that can be overwhelming if you don't, and that major cities often impose a shadow of anxiety that say, look better, be wealthier, have more friends, go out, etc. So, do you oh, remember, do you remember yeah. saying all this? I, I remember you, saying all that. You were texting me when you were so in f- Singapore, being like, I love this, but I am not grounded enough to do this life right now. Well, here's one of the things that I think is going to be a potential tremendous benefit of COVID and the remote work situation is people being no longer location dependent, uh, especially means that like, they can choose where they live. And that alone, especially as like we, I think with our, the Supreme Court that we have right now, we might wind up uh, having states looking very different than they do now where one state might be much more restrictive in 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 human rights than another and that's less bad now because of covid because people have the ability to get up and move like having that mobility of people is crucial for and it helps economy it helps the individual it helps so many different aspects of life Uh, and i think that it'll be it'll be beautiful to see the the trim like the ways that i'm not even able to fathom it's going to improve yeah i i'm but i do want to comment quickly on the uh the evolution of cities like i'm i'm really looking looking to a future where yeah based on kind of how different cities want to handle different things they're going to attract certain types of people and repel others and and we may find ourselves in a position where where cities get rebranded and certain cities attract certain types of people and there may be a student's like, hey, you know, we want to, we really want to focus on becoming like the hub for like innovation, or we want all, we want to kind of figure out like agriculture and food. 
And so you have different cities that will start to pull on different talent, different entrepreneurs, different kind of people with different lifestyle needs or kind of ideological beliefs uh, that are really set up to serve them. So we find ourselves in a situation where you're, you're essentially a customer of your city rather than a constituent. And you have the mobility and the flexibility to say, you know what, actually, I don't like the, the government of Indiana or of Texas. I'm going to go to New York or I'm going to go to Illinois because they have better X, Y, or Z, or they have, things, they have different jobs or whatever that will serve me. And so I'm really, I'm really excited to look and looking forward to that. And, uh, and I'm hopeful that the, the long-term work that I'm, I'm doing, which for the first time I will state in a public forum, uh, is the reimagining of the world's fair. So the thing that I'm, I'm working towards with the podcast and with the directory is ultimately, um, <laughs> yeah, bringing back this, um, a showcase of the future and, and providing everyone with a, a cohesive narrative about what the, what the future could look like if we, if we built it right. And also like what it could look like if we don't do certain things, but, but do it in a way where it's physical, massive, huge, six month, 50 million person, thousand acre, like physical manifestation of, of like what a future city would look like. And then it's this whole thing that everyone starts talking about. Everyone starts anchoring on and it, hopefully hopefully can work to shift the culture to get people to find help people find new heroes new icons new symbols to latch onto uh it can shake their psychology much like the four minute mile or even even covid just changed the way people saw what was possible right i think i believe that like a massive event of the scale can really reshape the way people think about things and hopefully for the better so that's kind of the the aim and, and the I see the fair kind of playing a role in relaunching some of these cities. So hey, cool! Like the first fair aiming for 2024, but you know it's a massive endeavor, so it may take a little bit longer than that. But I envision it taking a city, maybe a tier two, tier three city right now, and launching them to a tier one position because they're focused on innovation and community and really establishing a high quality of life for every single one of their citizens, not just the wealthy people from tech or the people who are like tech schools, but like everyone up and down the staff from the teachers to the, um, like the public officials to the like tech workers to the, you know, small families, like the day laborers or whatever, like up and down the stage, like how can we make the city incredible for everyone? How do we make sure that education system is the best, the healthcare system is the best. And that, you know, if we have another pandemic that we are equipped as a city, not as a country, but as a city to handle it better than everyone else. And like, I see that being a very, very real possibility. And then what that does is that shows other cities what's possible, right? So this is like cascading effect where hopefully by 2030 or 2040, we're operating in a world where everyone's kind of realizing they need to step up their game and they're working towards it. And then the fair can kind of play a, a critical role in helping bring that about. But yeah, so that's, that's my comment on, uh, on cities of the future. That's amazing. Yeah, I think, I think, I think that's nail on the head. What are, what are the actionable steps that need to be taken in order to create this fair? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's so, so there's so much. What I'm doing right now is I'm, I'm reading a bunch of the history of, of the Olympics and other mega events to really wrap my head around like, what are all the specifics? Because I know with, with any event, you need land, you need programming, you need some infrastructure development, you need customers, and then you need like, yeah, like a date and a time frame, right? They did like, okay, finding a plot of land over six months or finding a plot of land, developing it, 
inviting people to come show up for six months and then like leaving isn't isn't too complicated but when you think about what are all like 50 million other people going to do how are you going to make sure that like there's a team that is supporting them like essentially it's like how do you go build disneyland right or disney world (laughs) so many pieces and think about security or accreditation or accommodations where all how are all the people going to get to the city and how are they going to get to the fair where are they going to stay what are they going to eat like 50 million people influx into a city over six months is not trivial Right? It's a huge strain on infrastructure. So there's all these all these subcomponents that need to be thought through. But my my strategy here is to come up with a like really 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 deep knowledge of what what it's going to take to run this, and then start to identify the the people I need to bring on board, the sort of resources I'm going to need, what the timeline's going to look like, and then break it down uh, and just start executing on the pieces. But right now that's developing kind of again developing the master plan, the timeline putting together like a deck and a memo so I can start having conversations with uh, potential advisors, potential investors, get it to a point where I can, I can, I can have it branded, I can launch it and then I can go start to talk to cities to get them on board and start to get kind of a, a sense for which city is going to be a good fit. Who's interested, start to secure corporate sponsorships and then build out a team of elite level people, because this is not something that Cam is going to do on his own, like <laughs> 0% chance. Well, I hope you keep us updated on that. Cause that's have it just, it sounds like an amazing endeavor. And let us know how we can help. Yes, let's let's roll with this for a second. Because one of the one of the things that I realized for myself with like when I was was doing the travel and when I came back was I was operating this like kind of individual mindset. It's like how do I take care of Cam? Like, what do I need? What resources do I need? What skills do I want to have? Right, and it was all kind of boxed in. And when I started doing those discussions with people. And sort of to get a, a vision for like what the events would look like, what the world's fair might look like, I realized, like, oh, I like it or not, I'm not going to be able to do this by myself. I need to go work with other people. I need to be around other people. I can't just live out of a backpack and hop from city to city on a whim because I don't have to be responsible. Like I don't have any responsibility to anyone else but myself. And and after operating that mode for like 18 months, I was like, oh, okay, I need to go from this individual identity to this collective identity where. I need to have people around that I'm checking in with every day. I need to have accountability and community and collaboration. I need to have stakeholders and people that I'm like sending updates to who can support me in the pursuit of this mission. Like, it's not just like I couldn't pack up today and well, I could, it wouldn't make sense for me to pack up today and just like hop on a flight to, to Thailand because the people that I need to work with and the people I want to work with are spread out all over the country. And to be able to be in time zones where I can connect with them and to like go meet with them in person. And it's just like, it's just a completely different change I'm still grappling with. But I remember being really, really torn between like, okay, do I, do I go continue to write code and write blog posts and talk about productivity and, you know, talk about the future of offerings of solo entity where I do have the flexibility to go travel and go set up shop wherever I want and work on my own schedule? Or do I really want to lean into this collective where I need to be on a schedule and communicating with people because that's the only way I'm going to get to where I want to go if that's the path I choose. So I don't know. It's very, very like strange to go through that identity shift and like shed that old identity. So how far, how far along that shift from individual to collective approach are you? I think, I think I have all the mental models there and like the behaviors there. I'm probably, I mean, I'm not, I don't quite have a like a team formed yet, but I'm just with the like handing off the editing of the podcast. It's not something that I would have done. A year ago, I'm just like, oh, I'm just gonna do it. I'm just gonna do it. I'm like, no, I need more leverage. I need, I need to like hand stuff off to people who are 
focus on specific tasks or who can do things better than I can do them or like, so I can free up my time so I can go do something else. Right. It was taking me li- like, not like a day, like half a day to a day to get the podcast editing done. Yeah. So just, again, procrastination plus like the looming stress of like the emotional burden of not wanting to do it. I was like, this is really challenging. And so now I'm like, Oh, I have this extra day a week. Like, I don't know what to do with it. And I get to reallocate it to something else, which has been incredible but also like, it changes the mindset of being like yeah i've been whatever i guess basically my whole life until july when i got christina uh that i'm like if if i wanted to be done the way i wanted to be done i have to be the one to do it and i'm the only one who's capable of doing everything so therefore right. i have to do everything but now that i've like gotten help with one thing and have this new person's help and perspective onto these things. Like she's brought so much to the table and not only freeing up my time, but also like being a new source of inspiration and bounce board and mm-hmm. feedback. And that has given me the perspective that like, Oh, I can, I can do this with more things. Like it is not yes, taking yes. away from building the thing that I want to build. It's adding to it. It's, it's, it's giving me more time and flexibility and it's, and it's bringing in other people's perspectives and skills and it's yeah it's been awesome what i like it seems like it seems like you've you've been sort of been building the groundwork for this already like like mm-hmm. with the weight who the way who is like this is this is all sort of foundational work for for this like those are those will probably be the same or similar people that will be involved in creating the projects that would be you know, and I, th- I think you're right. I think that the challenge, that the logistical challenge of creating such an event is a whole other beast that I will be, I would, I will, I'm looking forward to hearing your journey through navigating that. Because uh, I think it'll be inspirational and one hell of a, one hell of a journey. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be wild um, in the, in the best possible way. Um, I think one, one thing that I just, wrote down here was like i found myself shifting into a into a headspace where like i don't really think about much else other than okay like the bear and the podcast and the projects and it's like there's this quote that i like which is um i will i will shed myself of all um unnecessary knowledge and meaningless experience um in pursuit of of this mission and so what that means to me is just like narrowing of like what I consume and what I read and what I think about. Um, there's just like on the topic of that, there's this brilliant essay by this um, technologist and investor named Paul Graham. And his, this essay in particular is called Top of Mind. And he, he posits this, this idea that whatever you think about in the shower is like the most important idea in your mind because it's like what your subconscious will like pull up and then start working on. So if you find yourself like in the shower thinking about something trivial or something nonsensical or something really frustrating, like that's probably what your brain is like rattling on like most of the day while you're doing other things versus if you have like, you're trying to, you know, build a new project or learn a new skill. Like if that's the idea that keeps coming, you're like, Oh wait, Oh no, I got that chord progression. Oh, like I know that way I can run that like campaign or, Oh, I have this brilliant idea for a client or, Oh, I know how I can make my like website better. Right? If, if you kind of come up with those insights, you know that the, the idea that's top of your mind is, is the right one. Right? And so the challenge is making sure that like that top of mind idea is always the one that you 
you want to be like that you want to be there instead of you know letting your brain waste energy on oh what is what is politician x saying today oh my god california is burning down like what am i gonna do it's like no no no, no. like stop figure out what what ideas you want you really want to like, kind of have your subconscious work on it was a bit rambly but no that was well said well said um but then, okay so let's, let's go back to that that question i messaged you on facebook about the the so cities and and how this plays into where you choose to live so it's funny, like when when you when you read that, I, I want to. I found myself transported the head, my headspace, like right now. I got transported back to when I was walking through Singapore. Uh, I remember it was right outside that new Shake Shack they have. And I was like walking around trying to get back to Unsung uh, Hill, where where the Draper U Startup House was, and I just remember looking around, seeing everyone kind of socializing and drinking and hanging out. I'm like, I can't, an- I could not handle this right now. Like, I don't know what I want. I don't have a mission or a purpose to pursue. And like, it, it'd be so easy for me to just kind of go get sucked into all the things that are happening around me. Right. You see this with, and I thought I have, I have some friends who live in New York and I just like, they came to mind too. When I was writing that, I'm like they went to New York cause they're like, Oh, I want to start a company. Oh, I want to go be an actress. And they've, they've been there for several years. And like, neither one of those things made progress. And I'm like, I wonder why. It's like, oh, because there's always a dinner to go to. There's always like a show to go see or always some concert happening. Like, There's always some reason not to do the thing that you actually want to do. And you find yourself easily, easily distracted and pulled by like or reacting to the things that um, that the city itself wants you to focus on. And in some cities like uh, Paul Graham, the, the guy I mentioned earlier, also wrote an essay called Cities and Ambition, which outlines like what do different cities tell tell you? Right, you go to you go to New York, and they, he he says that uh, the, the message in New York is you should be richer, you should have more money, right? Or in Cambridge, it's you should be smarter. Or in San Francisco, it's you should be more like influential. Um, or in Berkeley, it's like you should live better. And so it's always fascinating, like what what is the culture of each city telling you, and and how does that shape the way you you behave? And so if you're reactive you're going to just be pulled into whatever that is. And you're going to start playing games that you may not want to play. you will be like, oh, I'm going to go buy this new thing or I'm going to go to this event or I'm going to start like, you know, consuming this content and I'm going to reshape my brain and my life, my priorities around what I think is going to get me acceptance or like uh, status in the city versus what are you trying to, what are you aiming for? Uh, which is where the proactive bit comes into play. So it's like, Cities can be a beautiful thing if you know how to leverage them. It's like, oh no, I'm trying to like date or I'm trying to start a business and all of my customers are here. And you can use the city because that's where everyone is. There's always like someone to meet, always something to do. And, and you can really like leverage the, the dynamics of the city to serve you, but only if you have a very, very, very clear purpose and mission for what you're trying to do. Otherwise, you're a major risk for just getting sucked into the, uh, the abyss and then realizing oh fuck where did those five years go getting to uh regretfully back and try again what are your what are your yeah. thoughts on them <laughs> i think that was uh more insightful than my last four therapy sessions <laughs> <laughs> 
It's well said. I would like if you if you have those articles handy, feel free to shoot me an email. I would love to read them myself. Um, I think that the idea I've never really considered the impact that the culture of the city has on the individual. I mean, I think I think yeah, the the entire thing. Like it's, I will spend some time thinking about that. It's. I was on the phone with my mom last night, and she said it must be hard for Trevor that you went to a city of people exactly like you and not exactly like Trevor. What do you about that? I, I think that that is insightful. I think that also when being directionless and not having that centralized focus, it is easy for me to get caught up in anything other than what the point that which I don't even have defined. Um, so yeah, there's some self reflection going to be going on after this. <laughs> I don't mean to shed the light on you, man. <laughs> Oh, this is, this is great. This is great. This is the the other thing on on that. It's like it it doesn't just happen with cities. I think like that that's like a very real example, and you, you can you can see it right when you go to again when you go to any of these cities, you get a feel like uh oh, there's there's something like about the city. Like there's something it's telling you. At least at least I can. And I may be biased because I read that article when I was a kid, no, and I view every city. Felt that. Absolutely. Like the moment I step foot in a new city, it's like I put my feet. If I go, if I walk by myself for an hour, I can absolutely hear it talking to me, like what it wants to say. Absolutely. Okay. So I'm not, okay, not the only one. But I think the, the other thing though is what's interesting is, is you can, you have this with content and the people in your life as well. Right. So if you're always reactive or maybe not reactive but if you're not proactive about the content you consume and the people you have in your life and the conversations you have and the sorts of environments that you put yourself in you're just as much at risk of of kind of being pulled from the path that you ultimately want to follow and so if you're like oh i don't know what i want to do i don't know where i want to live i don't know where i want to go you don't have to kind of like looking around and being like oh what are my friends doing where are all the people around me doing um, like I, the, the most concrete example, of this is like, if you have friends that work out, but are like very physically fit, then you're going to be more inclined to, to do so and to exercise because it's what people are going to talk about, it's what they're going to do versus if you have friends who are just like, nope, we're going to just play World of Warcraft, drink Mountain Dew and order pizzas every day. Then like, good luck being, uh, you know, someone eating broccoli and vegetables and, you know no carbs and going for 10 mile runs, hanging out with that group. Like it's just not going to happen. So if you're, if you're proactive, you can kind of shape the way your life goes, but, but you really have to be clear and intentional about what it is that you want and then kind of put yourself in situations that'll help you get there. I'm going to say like, you, you no longer are the product of the five people you spend the most time with. You are now also the product of the, information that you choose to consume <laughs> and now the place and the culture of which you live yeah. and without having the ability to stay present enough to maintain a focused goal then it is easy to become consumed by all these external factors that if you are not closely controlling will wind up controlling you yeah. And this is why I love remote work though. Cause like you can, or the ability to kind of be or like 
I say nomad, but like just the ability to kind of work online and work for yourself or work anywhere. It's like you can you can intentionally go to a city and be like, oh wait, this this is serving me for a little bit, and then okay, it's no longer serving me, so I'm gonna go somewhere else, right? And there, there's trade offs, there's costs there, and like uh, building relationships and community and all of that. But I think there there are new ways to to build those things um, and new ways to stay in touch with people. So you're your relationships are not anchored to the city you live in anchored to like the, the cities or the people in certain cities. Like we can, you can find your friends online. You can stay in contact with them online. Like we're how many thousand miles away and we're hanging out, catching <laughs> up. Like this is great. And like this didn't happen 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Right. And people just haven't kind of caught up to that, that being the way the world works. So it's not the norm to just be like, Oh no, actually most of my friends are spread out, spread out all over the world. Everyone's kind of anchored on, Oh no, they're all in. Austin, Texas, or all in New York. It's just like not doesn't need to be that way. Um, that's that's empowering because then you can choose what environment you want to be in and curate your inputs a bit more. So, yeah, I could rant and rave on that for a long time. <laughs> the ultimate champion of like be proactive, be intentional, take responsibility, figure out what you want, and then then go go chase it. Um, <laughs> So funny. I I read The Alchemist on the flight over to Thailand. Actually, let me let me let me go. Let me take one step back. I don't know if I told you guys this, but like my my plan to to travel, right? The initial reason I was coming over to Thailand was because we have some family friends who um, one of them is from Khon Ken, which is in eastern Thailand, and they were gonna show my family and I around, and we're gonna be there for like a week and a half, and it was gonna be a fun little like family like holiday, and then whatever. Uh, my mom broke her leg a couple weeks before or a couple months before we left. So she's like, Hey, I can't go. So she bailed. My dad bailed. My sister bailed. And they're like, Hey, Cameron, like you can go with, um, Wes and Mon if you want. Like they have the ticket. And I, I like questioned it. I was like, mm, do I really want to go? It's going to be a good idea. Like I have all these systems and all these operating procedures and all these things I'm doing. Like, well, that's pretty good. And I was talking with a friend. He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, go what the hell go i'm like okay 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 so i'm like all right i'll go, I'll go for two weeks it'll be fine and slowly i start to convince me like hmm i'm just gonna go play this by ear see what happens and i i read the alchemist on the flight over along with a couple other books um namely the uh oh what is it when breath becomes air the book about the the neurosurgeon who gets cancer and like comes full circle on like how he was handling patients like i was in tears on the plane it was it was like incredible, but also really, really painful. Uh, but the other book I read was The Alchemist. And there's this line in there, which is when you, when your heart identifies like what, what it desires, the entire universe conspires to help you achieve it. Right. And it was funny that like, that was kind of what I read on the plane over. And I had this whole evolution of like, okay, I'm going to listen to my heart. I'm going to love myself. Like I'm going to do some self care uh, because that facet of my personality did not like, did not get any light, um, you know, September, October, first week of November of 2019. And then coming over to Thailand, like, which was on a whim, I wasn't planning to stay. I'm like, you know what? I feel like, I feel like staying a little bit longer. And then the two weeks turned into four weeks and four weeks turned into four months. And like that side of myself, that like loving, caring, kind of carefree, uh, can that you guys experienced, like, that, that kind of took, took shape. Uh, it, it existed, but it really got an opportunity to like flourish and thrive and like grow 
um, on that trip. And, and just like, as reflecting earlier before we hopped on here, I'm like, fuck, I am so grateful that I decided to just like hop on that plane. Cause I like the path that I'm now on was like directly related to conversations that I had with you guys was directly related to the experience I had the Nomad Summit and at JITEP and conversations with Lily and like all of these things just kind of shaped the path I'm on now. And I cannot imagine, like I, I literally would not trade it for anything. Like it was incredible. And you guys were fundamental in that. So I am one grateful that we met and love you both very, very much because yeah, just like my life is fundamentally better um, as a result of having met you guys. So us too. Yes. We're trip, also so. very grateful you decided to get on that plane. Yes. And make it a dry tap. And yeah. <laughs> stick around. I, I can't believe you went to And you successfully like. bullied by me and coming to dry tap yeah. after you had to bitch out. <laughs> bullied with love. <laughs> That's my technique. Uh, yes. The, it was like usually That was I just remember sitting in that in the Starbucks in Chiang Mai off of uh where the main road is over by oh no, I'm losing the, the districts in my head. Um over by Maya. And I was sitting there, I was looking at my phone, I'm like, fuck, this coronavirus thing seems pretty serious. Like should I, is it responsible for me to go to a music festival right now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> like, like sniffly the day after i think like we we're all like a little bit like you know beaten down for you know living in uh tents and all the fun debauchery but like it was like oh no did i get covid yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like is this the right choice and it absolutely absolutely was like that was a fantastic weekend but i just i still think it's funny that now there's this whole covid thing and, it, and what it what it turned into you know from there i was like yeah, this seems kind of serious, but like, eh, whatever. Yeah, I mean, even at our batch party, of us all kind of being like, huh, I wonder what this COVID thing is. I'm yeah, like, like, how worried should we be? Also be like, I guess it'd be nice if we all got stuck here together. But then, like, as you left, we're like, okay, bye, Cam, see you in Spain in three months, you know? Like, I know! I was, I was very much looking forward to that. I was like, oh, cool, let's go do, we'll do Camino de Santiago, and then, or well, then we're going to go to Tbilisi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wild. <laughs> the future has many possibilities. Um, future has a lot. I want to throw out one more topic that you said you wanted to talk about, and then we have our standard questions that we ask every guest. Uh, the one other thing that you said you wanted to talk about was the art to conversation. That any conversation has the potential to be interesting as long as both parties invest in the conversation. It's a matter of taking threads and running with them. If both people are tuned in, then they both pull on threads, which enables conversation to go for hours. Approaching conversation mm -hmm. with curiosity, alternating between commenting and probing. And then we got into a bit of a discussion about Trevor and I have a many multi-year ongoing uh, debate or robust dialogue about what it means to be interested and how much you can cultivate and choose your interest. Trevor believes that you can choose to be interested in anything and everything. And I do not believe that. So I tell you guys about the girl I met in the coffee shop in yeah. Malaysia. Yeah. yeah. So, so I went to Kuala Lumpur just to kind of focus. I had some project work I wanted to do before we went to um, Copenhagen. And I was like, "Go, I'm like, do all my work so we can hang out and have fun." And there's I, there are two coffee shops that I found myself going to every day. There's this one called um, one called VCR, which is just right around the corner from the building I was in. I'm go there in the mornings, in the afternoons, and just drink cold brew and work on my computer. And, and like 
on the fourth or fifth day I was there, there's this girl who who's sitting at the table across from me. I'm like, oh, she's kind of cute. Like, eh, I'm focused on work. Like, I'm, I'm not playing. I'm not dealing with that right now. And I look over and she's like, she has all these interesting books out on the table. She has, um, like, People's History of the United States. She has, like, Noah Yuval Harari's uh, 21 Lessons for the 21st Century. She had one other book. I'm like, this is not what I would expect to see in a coffee shop in Kuala Lumpur. And so, like, she got up and then she came back over. I'm like, okay, I'm just, I'll, I'll just start up a conversation. So I, I started talking to her, which one, just met a comment. Cameron in high school would absolutely not have done that. I've been like, oh my god, that's a girl. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I'm nervous. Aww. I was like, I did super, super funny. But I, so we started this conversation. It's like we sat down, like we were talking. Like I was at a different table. So I was like, I don't know, I was like, there's one table, and then she was probably like five to like eight feet away at a different table. And we just we were we just started talking back and forth, and like. It was it was very strange because like we were talking across like this like aisle that was empty but it was like eventually like 20, 30 minutes after the end of the conversation, I was like, I'm just gonna come over and like I went and sat down at her table. And so then we sit there for another like four or five hours, just like talking about God knows what, about philosophy and challenges and we just kinda covered just like all this ground. I just remember I'm like, oh shit, this is the most like one of the most incredible conversations I've had in a while. It was like, it was totally unexpected, but she just kept throwing out, like she kept pulling on threads and then would comment. And then I would pull on threads and comment. It was just like this beautiful exchange of, of dialogue. And we led to us spending like the next like two or three days. Yeah. We kind of like spent the like, next two or three days kind of hanging out, going rock climbing, like grabbing dinner and all that in, in KL. And the, the, the commentary and like the dialogue and just the consistent, like, um, back and forth was, I think, what, what helped shape that. But what really tied it all together was, um, it's my reflection. Because I think I, I sent that to you as I was reflecting on that that time. And this, I may look back at the timestamps on this and be like, this is totally off. And I'm just making this up. But uh, it, it's important because one of the things that, that shaped me from that experience was the thing that she said to me as we were kind of like parting ways, um, which is like, hey, it was great to like meet you, collaborate, spend some time together, walk, right? And I was like, hey, I really hope you kind of figure out what you want to do with um, like the work you want to do in climate and like the career changes you're going through and some of the family stuff, et cetera, et cetera. And then she says this thing back to me that I have like, I literally think about this every week, sometimes multiple times a week, nine or eight or nine months later. And she, she texted me, she said like, Cam, I, I have no doubt that you'll achieve whatever you put your mind to. But what I hope for you is that you'll you'll learn to become okay with failing and starting over again. And it was just like bombshell, like exactly what I needed to hear because this this fear of failure was I think one of the things that was inhibiting this like self love that I was that I was working on. And it just one resonated with me extremely strongly. And um, you guys are jumping from the same factory. I've been saying it since the yeah. moment you met. <laughs> Back to me, what was it like H two sixty four or something? What did I say? Yeah. We should get we should get like matching tattoos, Trevor. Like, right? Like, like side. Like, That'd be beautiful. Um, when we meet up in Spain, we'll do that. Yes, yeah, yeah. But I I think the that idea of like the conversation banter and being able to be interested like definitely does apply, but yeah, actually, I got completely derailed in that story. I, I just thought it was important to kind of, I wanted to like weave in that like, um, that self love, that like learn to be okay with failure and starting over again. Cause 
that's really probably been one of the more prominent things that stuck with me. Like the fact that I'm even bringing it up now, like I have this, like I have a photo, like a screen grab of that like, picture. I'll just like, it'll randomly like show up in my phone. So I'll be scrolling through and be like, Oh, there's that thing again. Like I write about it, reflect on it. And I'm just like, fuck. It's like, how, how are those the words that just like stuck with me or like resonated with me so strongly? Um, yeah, that was not were, an answer to the question. You were seeing, yeah. I forget what is, what did they say in Ruan's cult? Like you got, got or whatever. When the, when they say the truth that nails you, you're nailed. Is that it? You got nailed. You got nailed. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that's accurate or not. But yeah, you got you got nailed, Cameron. By the, you, got, you got nailed by this chick you met. Uh, inject any like, innuendo there. Uh, when the truth that is like the absolute truth that just like reson like clicks resonates like the strong hit. That's yeah. I think. Just like yeah. Um, I think it might have been you got nailed. Yeah. Where so where are you at in your uh, self love journey? I struggle with this because I think it's. I definitely feel like I have, I have grown a lot as a person. Like I've invested in myself. I've continued to kind of be patient, be kind of myself and journal and reflect. And a certain, I don't know, a certain degree of like harshness or intensity isn't quite there anymore. Right. It's a bit, I'm a bit like softer to myself, which for better or for worse, like allows me to, I think, operate with a bit more empathy. And be able to communicate more effectively. Well, it's just like, I don't know. I, I, for a while, I was concerned, like, oh, am I going to lose my edge, my ability to execute? And that certainly has not been the case. In fact, I think I'm, I'm more effective and I'm a better, like, I'm a more palatable person to be around. Like, there's this relationship that I'm kind of, uh, it's ill-defined right now. But I, I definitely, like, we had seen each other, like, two years ago. And, like, it did not work out because I was just, like, this brash asshole. Uh, like, did not make time for anyone else. And now I'm, like, I'm checking in with friends and I'm like supportive. I'm like, whoa, where did this come from? Like previously Cam's like not giving a fuck. And now I'm just like, okay, wait, make sure everyone else around me is taken care of, make sure like things are moving along, like that everyone's winning together. Um, that I'm I'm kind of reflecting on how I'm showing up, that I'm giving feedback to people and I'm like trying to package it in certain ways and so it's well received. It's like our communication's so much better. I think it's because I just was a bit I'm a bit more like patient with myself and with others and so for the self-love thing it's like i haven't used those words to describe it um because that's a bit more i don't know that's like the <laughs> the facet of cam that was like do like not in work mode but i think like there's there's been a blending that has happened where you know the the work cam is a bit more in the driver's seat and like even even in this conversation i'm, I'm being mindful of like oh how am, I, how am I showing up right now? Because I know the headspace that I'm in, but I also know like the headspace where a lot of our, con like a lot of our conversations are really incredible conversations have been. I'm like, okay, like I really value that. And I want to make sure I'm not just talking about world's fair stuff and the podcast and like all the things like I am clearly focusing on, but um, that are not what make me, me, right. They're, they're like things that I am doing, but they are not like cam. So long way to way of saying it. it's it's a journey and i'm still figuring it out but i feel like i'm a lot a lot better uh, a lot closer to that goal than i was um i was still i i i promised the uh, earth that i would not uh, partake in substances uh until i had made that improvement and i i think the best indicator of like how good i am with that self-love is like would i go take mushrooms again and possibly 
but I just I'm not, I don't feel like I'm I don't feel like I'm quite there enough where where the Earth is gonna be like, hey Cam, you did a good job. It's gonna be like you still have more work to do, and like throw me through the ringer again. I'm like, no, no, no. like I'm gonna wait until like I am confident that I have made the progress. Um, oh God, no, I just planted the idea in my head. <laughs> now, now the seed just got planted where I'm like, hmm. Maybe if I wait too long that I'm going to miss out on like opportunities for growth and maybe I have made the strides I need to. And so I need to go back and like have that conversation with the earth again. And then, uh, it'll give me some new insights, new information. Well, uh, for whatever it's worth and not to nudge you in any direction, I had, I had made the same promise to myself and felt similarly, probably even more hesitant than you feel. Um, and decided due to a variety of circumstances to go for it and it was a positive experience it was a positive experience but <laughs> he's shocked <laughs> I, I i am I know, I know i know we both had our you know our, our little tiff with uh um i don't i don't know what the relationship is between acid and, and mushrooms in terms of like the earth versus the sky gods or whatever the fuck but like uh yeah, and I know you and I both had our little little tips with, with the earth, and we're like, mm, please be nice to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it helped that there was a, a a story for another time, but overall, yeah. overall, I was a, a surprise. What works? Yes, and, uh, I got you. Yeah, they were they were very so, they were very kind. You were able to calm them down enough so that you could get their wisdom. Yeah, they were very kind, and they were they were very happy to to see me again. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I think I think yeah. you should heed heed the call when you feel like it's ready. Don't you know? Yeah, I will be. I will be patient because nature never acts in haste. So there you go. I am playing playing that one out. There there will come a time. I am certain, but I am I'm going to let that process naturally unfold instead of being like, oh, I think I've got it. Yeah, because <laughs> if, if I if I approach it with that from that angle, I almost certainly do not got it. And uh, I will pay the cons and pay the price. So I will. Yeah. <laughs> and you might be surprised. Maybe the opportunity will come to you when the time is ready. It always does, right? It, at least that's the narrative that I have. That's the the, the the lens through which I choose to view the world. It's like it's not just like this is happening to me or or not this is happening for me instead of to me. It's literally every single thing serves me, and that is what I choose to believe. And like even this conversation, seeing you guys and like making this work on a random Tuesday, conveniently, I didn't have any other call scheduled. I didn't have any other plans scheduled. So it just like worked out. I'm like, hmm, that's odd. <laughs> or my sister, like, I, I kind of went home to visit my family back in October. No plan. I'm like, hey, guys, I'm just gonna show up on Wednesday. And my sister was on the like right in the airport, like within the same hour. I'm like, we didn't coordinate it. She'd booked her flight like weeks before. I had no idea. And like, so then we were hanging out at home and then we had uh, I, like, I drove her back up and we had like a three or four hour, like really long, really deep conversation. It was like one of those key moments in our relationship. Aww. And that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't like randomly booked that flight. So yeah. this is all to say like everything, everything like works for me, but in a way I feel like I'm not just in the driver's seat where I'm like, I'm just along for the fucking ride and I'm trying not to fuck it up. It's like, <laughs> Everything's happened. Everything's serving me. Like been, I'm just gonna uh, keep moving. We've been recently exploring, going a little bit deeper into uh, 
similar topics of synchronicity and manipulating the universe. Yes. Which has been an interesting oh. journey. I don't know if I, it's a little bit, it's definitely outside of my normal materialistically minded comfort zone, but it's certainly intriguing and compelling to hear some of the way that some of these more, uh, other, I don't know how to describe it. Other people are, uh, Interpreting things, interpreting things like the synchronicities that occur that that lead us to where we are. Yeah, I I I think if it didn't serve me, I wouldn't believe it. But it's also kind of fun being like, oh no, I'm a I'm a player in this game. Like I have a little bit of control, but there's just predestination that's that's kind of happening. I'm like, you know, it's a what an interesting way to to view the world. But it's not like harm. It's not harmful. So like, oh, this this serves me. So. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a very like, step further. That it's completely possible for you to choose that predetermined destination, but yeah, we that's a little, yeah, a little, a little deeper. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I agree. I think there there's a certain like yeah, there's a certain power. Where, like, listen, like I mapped out the strategy for like the fair and all this stuff. Like at the beginning of the year, I came back like on the flight. I spent. This is kind of a tangent, but. Not tangents, topically related, but the first couple of days I was I was back in Washington. I sat down like on the floor of my, the bedroom, and I'm like, "What do I want my life to look like in 2030?" I actually like this weird stream of consciousness where like I haven't written that like just clearly in a while. When I kind of mapped out what do I want my life to look like? What will I be doing? What kind of relationships do I have? Like where do I want to be living? What sort of skills do I want to have? I'm like. I create this weird map for myself. I'm like, oh, oh, this makes it very, very obvious, like very, very clear what I should be doing, what I should be working on. And so all I have to do is just follow the plan. Obviously, like iterate and adapt as new information becomes available. But there's something really freeing about kind of knowing like, nope, I'm at point A, I want to get to point B, but over like a 10-year time horizon. So, yeah, it's good stuff. Kind of weird, but anyway. <laughs> all right. Tell the people where they can find you and support you and anything else you want them to do. <laughs> um, I would, so I'd like everyone to reflect a little bit more on kind of what, what change they want to see in the world and to get comfortable taking kind of a longer term view of things because all these short term wins have kind of been captured and in order to do anything impactful and meaningful and challenging or worth struggling for, uh, you need to kind of take a longer five, 10 year view. It's incredible what you can do if you, if you think that far out. Um, you can find me on, don't really want to plug Twitter because I don't I'm trying to stay off there. Um, so you can find my website at camweese.com. So C-A-M-W-I-E-S-E, where you can find links to the Build the Future podcast, where I interview um, thinkers, entrepreneurs, founders, um, researchers, academics who are working to um, build build some positive version of the future and taking a long-term view. So yeah, and if you want to holler at me, Find my email on my website, but anyone who's listening to this podcast knows these incredible people that are hosting it, and I'm sure we would be friends too. So holler at me. <laughs> Very good shout out. Also check out waithoo.is. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're probably gonna rebrand it, so I don't know if the domain's gonna stick, but okay. Well, you'll redirect uh, it, won't you? Yes, yes. So waithoo.is, where you can find all the content, all the essays, podcasts, interviews of. Some of the most influential thinkers of our time. All right. And I hope yeah. that there's going to be a GoFundMe for a World Fair coming up pretty soon. 
I don't know how I'm going to finance it. Well, we'll, we'll see. It's like proper startup type financing, aren't you? If you need help with pitch decks, that's uh, that's the main thing I was doing this summer. So yeah, yeah, okay. Beautiful. Um, now. Guys, this is this is great. Um, I'm very very glad. Javon, Trevor, I don't know what you're doing with your fingers. Kind of weirding me out, but <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's good to see you guys. I appreciate y'all. Miss you a lot, uh, and I'm I'm looking forward to the next time we can connect and hang out and do all the fun things. Yeah, um, let's not too. let it go I, this long again. But. I have no idea. Yeah, when. I'm actually glad we're on the other side of the election. So, like, I have no idea what the fuck the world's going to look like. I was like, oh, things may just go crazy. And fortunately, as of now, they have not. So, things are a bit more stable. But, but I need to get another call. So, I'll bounce. But, holler, ping me anytime. Love to hang out with you guys some more, catch up, uh, talk more offline. Thank uh, you. Thanks yeah. so much for doing this. Thank you. Always a pleasure. All right. Much love, guys. Bye. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.